Hello, believers in Christ. This is Kelly Ward, and this is another Liberty from Captivity podcast, episode number four. And today is Tuesday, May 18th, 2021. And the title of today's show is Deliverance Basic Series, Part 3, Your Authority. This podcast is a continuation of the Foundations of Deliverance series, and I don't know how long the Foundations series will go, but it will be as God leads. So I just want to do a quick recap from episode number three titled Open Doors because I think open doors will flow into your authority because you need to know what to do about those open doors. And so when I when I go through this teaching, when you get when we get to the end of it, you will understand your authority and that will become the basis for how to get those doors closed. Okay, so in that episode, we discussed some of the more common door openers. We also talked about how Christians can have demons in their bodies or their souls. And Jesus used the analogy of a house. Another analogy that was also used is our bodies are the temple. And the temple is a pattern of our body, soul, and spirit. And just because a Christian has a demon does not mean that they are possessed. We also talked about different parts of the body and how these can be demonic entry points, such as the mind, the conscience, the soul, and the body. But if you are a Christian, not your spirit. Your spirit cannot be a demonic entry point if you are saved. So now that we have established that Christian can have demons or be demonically oppressed, we need to know what to do about it. But before we do, we need to understand our authority first. The authority that has been given to us is a very powerful tool if we will learn to use it. And there may be many reasons why Christians don't use their authority. Perhaps they don't believe that they have it, or maybe they just don't simply use it. But here's the thing. God gave us the weapons of warfare, and he told us to use them in the Bible. So let me give you an example of what I mean by that. Here in the United States, particularly in the southern states, there are a lot of people who own guns for self-defense. So if somebody breaks into your house, we have the right to defend ourselves and shoot the intruder. But why do we have that right? Well, it's because the states have passed laws that give citizens the right to legally own a gun and to use it in self-defense. In other words, we have been given the authority from the states to protect ourselves. Well, it's the same way in God's kingdom against the demons. If you don't use it, you will continually be a casualty of war. And that's something that God doesn't want for us. He wants us to be free. So God wants us to use these weapons because he will most likely not do it for you. And what do I mean by that? Why is that? Well, because the Bible contains the the weapons of our warfare and it tells us about the authority that we have to to do that work ourselves. What I have found many times is oftentimes in the Word, if there is something that God has given us to do, generally God won't give us, won't, won't do it for us. Now, He will empower us to do it. And in this case, uh, I would say that most of the time, that's the reason why there are so many Christians who have struggled to get their freedom. So think of it like this. There are many sick Christians out there. And when I say sick, I, I what I mean is, is Christians who are afflicted with demons in some way. They Maybe perhaps they, they get frequent prayer for some sort of spiritual attacks that they are enduring. Maybe they fast to try to get rid of it. 
Maybe they might use some tools to help them, like for example, maybe an internet filter on your computer if you are addicted to pornography. Maybe you have an accountability partner or whatever the case may be. And so let me just say, these are all really good things and we all should have those if, if we are struggling with something in our lives. We absolutely need those. We need those people in our lives. Sometimes we need tools to help us to get through those things. However, I would like to add that you need some additional tools in your arsenal to get free and to stay free. And that's the main purpose of this podcast and blog. So let's talk about our authority. Most of the notes that I have here in in this particular podcast, uh, I have gleaned from a YouTube video by Charles Caps, and he had a really, really good message on authority, and I plan to post the, the link in the blog to that so that you can go listen to it. And so I just want to give credit where credit is due. I think it's very important to do that. Okay, so before I get into this, I just want to state that I'm going to use a lot of Bible verses. And again, I am using primarily the modern English version, which reads very similar to a New King James Version. Okay, so let's go to the very beginning. Uh, Genesis 1, verses 26 through 28, which reads, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the air, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and replenish the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and every living thing that moves on the earth. Okay, so let's just talk about this very briefly. In verse 26, God gave Adam the authority when he said, Let them have dominion. And then in verse 28, God commanded him to subdue the earth, to rule over the fish, the birds, and over all the creatures. So this is kind of what I like to think of as delegated authority. Maybe somewhere with your work or in the military, for example, would be the military would be a really good example. We can be given what's called delegated authority. And delegated authority is something that is authority that is given to you by somebody else who has that level of authority. So God gave that to Adam. So now let's move forward to Genesis chapter 3, verses 4 through 6. Then the serpent said to the woman, You surely will not die, for God knows that on the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasing to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she gave to her husband with her, and he ate. So I have heard some teachings that state that Adam was right there next to her when the serpent deceived Eve. Now, I can't say for certain that I know that. Uh, To me, it's not very clear. Uh, However, it's obvious, though, that it started when the serpent questioned God's commandment to not eat of the fruit. And of course, this is the same old pack of lies that the enemy always uses to get people to question God or to tell them things like, oh, it won't hurt, or, oh, just this time, or you can quit any time. You know, 
the enemy is a liar and he is the father of lies. So he's always doing that. And we have to be on, we have to be on guard for those kinds of things. So regardless of whether or not Adam was actually right there, we have already established that Adam was given the authority over all the creatures. And Adam had the authority over the serpent, but he allowed the serpent to deceive Eve. And he knew that God, he knew what God commanded, and yet they both disobeyed. So furthermore, Adam failed to exercise his authority over the serpent, and he didn't subdue it as he should have. Basically, what happened here is that Adam relinquished his delegated authority to the enemy through disobedience. So if Adam gave away his delegated authority that God gave him, then how do we have authority and what do we have authority over? So let's talk about that just a moment. According to how I understand it, here is the progression that made it all possible. God made a covenant with man. In this case, this man was Abraham. God proved Abraham by telling him to sacrifice his son Isaac. Abraham was willing to obey, but God stopped him. God knew his heart, and this all validated the covenant. Because of this covenant, God was able to send his son Jesus. Thus, Jesus took the authority back and gave it to us. And that's what I want to talk about in a little more detail. So God the Father gave Jesus the authority in the book of John. And we can read this in John chapter 5, verses 26 through 27. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has given to the Son to have life in himself, and has given him authority to execute judgment also, because he is the Son of Man. So Jesus' authority was challenged on multiple occasions, and I want to talk about a few examples of those. So let's look first at Luke chapter 4, verses 31 through 35. Then he went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and was teaching them on the Sabbaths. They were astonished at his teaching, for his word was with authority. In the synagogue there was a man who had a spirit of an unclean demon. And he cried out with a loud voice, Leave us alone. What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. When the demon had thrown him down in their midst, he came out of him and did not hurt him. Okay, so let's look at this just uh, uh, real briefly. So here we see, number one, Jesus had authority. Number two, the demon challenged Jesus. And then Jesus used his words with his authority to cast the demon out. Okay, well, let's look at another example. Matthew chapter 8, verses 28 through 32. When he came to the other side into the country of the Gergesenes, there met him two men possessed with demons coming out of the tombs, extremely fierce, so that no one might pass by that way. Suddenly they cried out, saying, What have we to do with you, Jesus, Son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? Now a good way off from them was a herd of many swine feeding. So the demons begged him, saying, If you cast us out, permit us to go away into the herd of swine. So he said to them, Go. And when they had came out, they went into the herd of swine, and suddenly the whole herd of swine ran violently down a steep place into the sea and perished in the waters. So again, Jesus' authority was challenged. 
But Jesus used his authority to cast him out when he said, go. So it's obvious by these verses that not only did Jesus have the authority, but he exercised it. Okay, so then let's talk about also Jesus being the door, because I think it's very important for us to understand the connection that we have through Jesus to have this authority. So if we look at John chapter 10, verses 1 through 2 and verses, verse 10, it reads, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by, by the door into the sheepfold, but climbs up by some other way is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. And then we'll jump ahead to verse 10. The thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and that they may have that more abundantly. Okay, so we see here that Jesus is the door and we enter into the sheepfold through him. This means that because we enter in through him, through salvation, that now we are a member of his kingdom. And it's also interesting to note here that the devil is referred to as a thief and a robber. But through Jesus, we have life. So if we are a member of God's kingdom through the finished work of the cross that Jesus did, as we just discussed in John chapter 10, we have to understand where our authority comes from. And so if we go to Luke chapter 10, verse 19, Jesus says this, Behold, I give you the authority to trample upon serpents and scorpions and over all power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. So this is where our authority comes from. But what do we do with it? Well, let's talk about that. As Christians, we have this authority to cast out demons. So let's look at some, some verses here. And let's go to Mark chapter 16, verses 15 through 18. He said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. These signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues, they will take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. So here, this is the, the Great Commission, and this is where Jesus told the disciples, and by extension us, to cast out demons. Okay, now let's go look in Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23. And it reads, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonderful works in your name? But then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice evil. So here in this passage, this is a reference to Christians casting out demons. And it's very interesting to note here in this passage of Scripture that these are Christians who did not make it because they had sin in their lives. They professed to be Christians, and they probably really did have a relationship with Jesus. And because of that, they had the authority to cast out demons. If they were really not Christians, they would have been like the seven sons of Sceva found in uh, Acts chapter 19, verses 11 through 20. Okay, so let's just stop right here for just a moment, and let me just do just a very, very quick summary to sum some of this up. God gave Jesus the authority. Jesus used his authority to cast out demons. And then 
Jesus told us to go cast out demons ourselves. So I just want to take a quick moment to discuss kind of where the line is drawn regarding the authority that is given to us, because this is very important regarding your spiritual well-being. So let's look at Daniel uh, chapter 8, verse 16, and then Daniel chapter 10, verses 10 through 14. Daniel 8, 16 reads, I heard a man's voice between the banks of Uai, which called and said, Gabriel, make this man understand the vision. So here we see that the angel Gabriel is going to explain the vision to Daniel. Okay, and then let's move ahead to Daniel chapter 10, verses 10 through 14, which says, But then a hand touched me, which set me on my knees and on the palms of my hands. He said to me, O Daniel, a man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for I have been sent to you now. And when he had spoken this word to me, I stood trembling. Then he said to me, Do not be afraid, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand this and to humble yourself before God, your words were heard, and I have come because of your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me for twenty-one days. So Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I had been left there with the kings of Persia. Now I have come to make you understand what shall befall your people in the latter days, for the vision is yet many days. Where it says here, the prince of the kingdom of Persia is a reference to what we would call a principality. A principality is a very high-ranking demonic authority that resides over cities, states, and nations, and they may even be over neighborhoods as well. Now, it is my belief, and I, I don't know that I can prove this, but it is my belief that a principality is a fallen angel. And it is also my belief that demons are the disembodied spirits of the Nephilim that are found in Genesis, I believe it's chapter 6. I don't remember exactly where it is. But in Genesis, in the book of Genesis, it talks about how the fallen angels took wives, they bore giants, and then, of course, the giants died in the flood. And it's my belief that they had a spirit, and then when those spirits left their bodies because, they, because the giants died, that they became demons. So I don't know for sure if that's true, but that's just my, my understanding, my theory on it. And so if that is true then those demons are a lower rank than the fallen angels because the fallen angels were part of the process of creating those giants which had those spirits. Let's look at this a little bit further from Daniel chapter uh, 10. Gabriel was sent to God, was sent by God rather, to bring the message to Daniel. However, the principality over Persia withstood him and he needed some reinforcements. It's interesting to note here that it says that Michael was one of the chief princes and he came to assist. There is a principle that I have heard uh, before when studying the Bible called the principle of first mention. And as I understand it, what this basically means is the first time that something is mentioned in the Bible sets the basic definition for something. Of course, it can later be expanded in the Bible and built upon but the basic principle remains. So in this case, we see the spiritual protocol, which is 
that when it comes to battling principalities, this is an area outside of our authority, and it is for God to release angels to do battle against. Nowhere in the Bible does it ever say that we should do battle against a principality. Now, you might say, well, what about what it says in Ephesians chapter 6? Well, let's go read that. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 17. Finally, my brothers, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to resist in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having your waist girded with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having your feet fitted with the readiness of the gospel of peace, and above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you will be able to extinguish the fiery arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. No, Again, nowhere in Scripture does the Bible give us the authority over principalities. However, we have been given the armor of God as protection against it. Only authority equal to or greater than that of a principality can successfully battle against them. As we saw from Daniel chapter 10, an angel of great power was released from heaven to battle against him. There is a really good example of this in Jude 9, which reads, Yet Michael the archangel, when contending with the devil in a dispute about the body of Moses, did not dare to pronounce upon him a railing judgment, but he said, The Lord rebuke you. So we see here that the devil obviously has some power, but Michael would not did not battle against him directly. He had to call upon a higher authority in Jesus to do that when he said, the Lord rebuke you. So he knew exactly where he stood in the hierarchy of things. And we need to understand the same thing. So think of it like this. We are part of God's army at the ground level. God has an air force and he can release angels to provide cover for us. If we stay in our lane, we can remain relatively safe, okay? But if we violate spiritual laws and protocols, then what happens is, is we step out from underneath God's protection and the enemy has every right to attack you. And that's what I want to make sure that you understand because I don't want you to get attacked by going and doing battle against something that you don't have any authority to do so. Now, there may be a very rare occasion where God may appoint somebody to do battle against a principality. I have heard of this happening. The, the late Henry Groover talked about this, where God had told him on certain occasions to go, to go do battle uh, against a principality, but it was only under his direction. And you have to understand that, that Henry Groover was a very highly anointed man of God. But there was one occasion in one of his testimonies where he talked about that he went to a certain place to do battle against it, and it was without God's direction, and Henry nearly died. Now, God rescued him, and later on, he fasted and prayed and then went back, but only with God's direction, and then he was able to do battle against it. But I want to emphasize this very clearly 
that is very rare for for God to use a, a, a person to do that. Okay. So I just want to make that very clear that we are to never go battle against the principality. Only demons. So now that we have discussed our authority in detail, what do we do with it? How do we use it? Well, again, we have established from Luke 10, 19 that we have delegated authority from Jesus. And Jesus also commissioned the apostles with his authority as shown in Matthew chapter 10, verses 5 through 8. So I will reread Luke 10, 19. Behold, I give to you the authority to trample upon serpents and scorpions and over all power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Matthew chapter 10, verses 5 through 8. These twelve Jesus sent out and commanded them, saying, Do not go into the way of the Gentiles, and do not enter any city of the Samaritans, but rather go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. As you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, and cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely you give. Okay, so here's a, a really good example, again, of Jesus telling them to go cast out demons because he gave them the authority. So let's look at some examples of how Jesus exercised his authority because I want you to know how to use it. So in Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11, and I won't read it, but if you want to go read it, you can. But this is when Jesus was fasting for 40 days in the wilderness and on three occasions, the devil tempted him, and all three occasions, Jesus quoted scripture. So that's one way you can exercise your authority. When the devil comes at you running his big mouth, lying to you, telling you all kinds of terrible things, well, then quote scripture back to him. That's what Jesus did. Here's another example. Matthew chapter 8, verses 14 through 17. When Jesus entered Peter's house, he saw his uh, wife's mother laying sick with a fever. He touched her hand, then the fever left her, and she arose and served him. When the evening came, they brought to him many who were possessed with demons, and he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all who were sick to fulfill what was spoken by Isaiah the prophet. He himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. So here we see that Jesus cast out the spirits by his word. So what this means is that we use our words with the authority given to us to command demons to leave. We do the same thing that Jesus did, right? In Matthew chapter 8, verses 28 through 34, this is about Jesus casting the demon out of the Gergesene demoniac. And I will just emphasize just Matthew eight thirty-two, which reads, he said to them, Go, and when they came out, they went into the herd of swine, and suddenly the whole herd of swine ran violently down a steep place into the sea and perished in the waters. So again, we see Jesus using his words, Go. Then in Matthew chapter 17, verses 14 through 18, When they came to the crowd, a man came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, have mercy on, uh, on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers terribly. He often falls into the fire and often into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but he could not heal him. Then Jesus answered, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? 
Bring him here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon, and he came out of him, and the child was healed instantly. Now this word rebuked here is what I want to talk about. There are many meanings uh, in the Greek for it. Uh, the Greek word is epitomao, which is to express strong disapproval of someone, rebuke, reprove, censure, also to speak seriously, to warn. And speak seriously is what I want to focus on because, again, when Jesus rebuked, you can kind of think of it like Jesus spoke seriously and the demon came out. So this is just another example of Jesus using his words, even though it doesn't state what he said, but in the rebuke is where Jesus spoke it. So we don't know exactly what he said, but we know with his rebuke, he used his words and the demons came out. So let's look at another example of how Jesus used his words. In Matthew chapter 21, verses 18 through 22, Now in the morning, as he returned to the city, he became hungry. When he saw a fig tree on the road, he went to it, but found nothing on it except leaves. He said to it, Let no fruit ever grow on you again. Immediately the fig tree withered away. When the disciples saw it, they were amazed, saying, How did the fig tree wither away instantly? Jesus answered them, Truly I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what was done to the fig tree, but also if you say to this mountain, Be removed and be thrown into the sea, it will be done. And whatever you ask in prayer, if you believe, you will receive. So we see here, Jesus had an authority, and he exercised it by using his words to curse the fig tree. So what does all of this mean? And I just want to sum this up very simply. Again, God gave Jesus the authority. Jesus gave us delegated authority. And he used his words to exercise that authority to cast out demons. So we need to do the same thing. We need to know that we have the authority and that we can cast out demons by using our words. And the Bible has a lot to say about our words because our words carry power. We know that, uh, I forget exactly where it says it, but somewhere I think it's uh, in the Psalms or, or Proverbs that life and death is in the power of the tongue. So we need to basically use our words to speak life, but also to speak to the demons to command them to leave. So I just want to say to don't be afraid to use your authority to exercise it against the demons. It is a privilege and it is part of our inheritance from, from Jesus and our weaponry and our arsenal. So as you progress on your journey to freedom, make sure that you exercise your authority with boldness. So I'm not sure what the next podcast is going to be about yet. Uh, I'm thinking about doing it on soul ties. So with that, that concludes this podcast. If you have any questions or comments about this show, please visit www.libertyfromcaptivity.com and uh, you can post any questions or comments in the blog section. And you can also contact me directly. There is a, there is a contact section on there and you can send me a message that way. And uh, so thank you very much for listening to this show. I hope that it blesses you and I hope that you have a very blessed rest of the week.
he's right there to guide you unseen you're not alone his light shines on the past that we're not shown give me shelter saves us from our faults and fears giving us the peace that we so desperately